Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. So we're continuing our series on everything I needed to know. You may be seated. I learned in Sunday school, which is a ripoff of everything I needed to know. I learned in kindergarten. My wife was a kindergarten teacher, and she would amaze me. Why, those clouds are, and she would tell me the different names. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I teach the kindergartners this, right? She also has a very strong immune system because kindergartners were always like, you know how it is. Okay, so... Uh, I want to look at some of the, the main Bible stories because at, at nursery or in children's church or kids' church, you learn them at a certain level, and I'm hoping that we can learn them at even a deeper level. And I want to begin going back a little bit to Adam and Eve. So last week, Jim talked about Adam and Eve, and I, I've been thinking about Adam and Eve this week before we get to Noah is who I'm going to be speaking about. And, because I see Noah as kind of a case study in decreation and recreation. A case study in decreation and recreation. And to understand the decreation, you got to understand what happened between Adam and Eve. Or should I say between Adam and Eve and God. And God came to Adam and he gave him one command. Well, no, maybe two commands. The Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat from every tree in the garden, right? So which trees could he eat from? Every tree, right? Could he eat from the tree of life? Yes. Can I say, I believe that the tree of life was not like um, some magic pill that once you ate it, you had life forever. I think it was kind of like how we get life. We commune with the Lord, right? We regularly come to him we abide in him. And, and I think there was a, a regular eating from this tree of life. And, and uh, then he said, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, I remember reading this passage and thinking to myself, wait, they didn't like eat, drop over dead, right? Eat, fall asleep, uh, you know, it, some, something happened, they, they experienced shame, there was a change on the inside, but they, they didn't die right away. So what was he talking about? And a lot of times we go, well, they spiritually died, right? But I think they released the seeds of death and selfishness, you know, shame, like all this, all this stuff began. So you know who the first death was? Their kids. Can you imagine what it's like? Can you imagine what it'd be like to be Adam and Eve and think, oh, I mean, how painful would it be to, to have one child kill another? And this was this, their experience. You wonder if they ever were like, oh, man, had I known this, I wish I never ate from that tree, right? And, and the interesting thing is, it seems to me that I used to think, well, Adam and Eve had this big choice between life and death, right? But then... You know, we don't really have that kind of choice. That was their choice. And yet, look what God says to Cain. It's like Cain had his own tree of temptation, didn't he? Cain had his own. Look, why are you angry, the Lord says to Cain. Why, why has your countenance fallen? If you do what's right, right, if you eat from the right tree, you'll be accepted. But if you refuse to do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. The snake, right? Do you see this? It desires you, but you must master it. Did he listen? No. 
And all through Scripture, there's this choice to choose life or death. And frankly, you and I have that choice on a regular basis. You know, we, our lives are faced with this choice. Are we going to give in to our flesh? Are we going to give in to our selfishness? Are we going to give in to the world is all about me and my needs? Or are we going to live as the Lord would want us to live? We just went through Philippians, thinking of others higher than ourselves. We're looking like Jesus on this earth with this selflessness. And, and, and as I kind of surveyed the scriptures, I'm like, this, this choice between the tree of Death and the tree of life is something that the people faced all through Israel and now even in the New Testament times. Look what Moses said. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you the tree of life and the tree of death. Right? I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life that you and your offspring may live. Right? Proverbs. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death, right? You remember Eve? Oh, it looks good. It's beautiful. I'm going it, to... It, it, it looks good, but in the end, it leads to death. Satan always paints his will as a panacea, as a be-all to end-all, as soul-satisfying. But if any of us, and I know I have, have ever eaten from that fruit, how do you feel? It, it Maybe at first there's something, but there's something that just leads to death. Now, now, look at the opposite. Jesus says, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So on one hand, there's a way that looks like life but is death, and then there's a way that looks like death but is life. Interesting, isn't it? And this is where we live. Now, now Paul said the same thing. He says, hey, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now, here's the funny thing. Anybody ever live according to the flesh? Anybody make fleshly choices? Yeah. Did you die right away? No, you did not drop dead like Adam and Eve didn't either. But you live that way? You give into that? Where does it go? Right? It, it, and people at the end of their days, they're like, I, I didn't live. Right? And for, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Or in Galatians, those who sow to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So you and I regularly, we're faced with decisions and choices of life or death. I think that if Adam and Eve knew the end of it, and if we knew the end of, you know, where our seeds are going, where our, our selfishness, our pride, you know, the, the way our life can go, if we saw the end, we, we would live differently in the moment. I, this is a picture of my backpack when I was uh, Euro railing all around Europe. And I love my backpack. I had ribbons that were given to me by families. Like I had, it was like my, it was my home, you know, for six weeks. And, <clears throat> and I loved it. And so I get back to college and I have a roommate, and I feel like the Lord says, you should give him your backpack. Give him my backpack? I love my backpack. <laughs> my backpack is my friend. I did not give him my backpack. Want to know something? Never used it again. And I threw it out because it delaminated years later, right? It was all sticky and unusable. And I look back at that, and I'm like, oh, Lord. I wish I had obeyed you. I wish I had 
In a sense, it's like choosing life, even though it was just my little selfishness. I don't know how God wanted to bless my roommate with it, but do you see how these are the kind of things that we live by faith and we're like, Lord, I want to, it doesn't look good. It looks like death, but I'm going to go your way and lose my life in you and find it. Uh, and now we enter into Noah's Ark. And, and Noah and his Ark is kind of a fascinating story because the first time we see Noah, his dad is talking about him. And I, I am not going to debate all the, the veracity of Scripture. I'm going to let you see what the deeper meaning behind it. So Noah's dad was 182 years when he fathered a son, and he called him Noah, which sounds like the word comfort. And he says, out of the ground that the Lord cursed, this one shall bring relief or comfort for our work and from the painful toil of our hands. So you know it was difficult for them and they're looking for a Messiah and they're like, this guy is going to bring it. And I couldn't help but think, and I've said it before, what a blessing. Do you bless your kids? Do you bless your family members? Do you bless your friends? Do you... Do you intentionally think of good things to say? Isn't it easy to see, you, you know, uh, let's say we're playing a song here, and everybody hits, you know, 150 right notes, but somebody hits one wrong note, and what are you going to say? Heard that wrong note. You know, right? I heard the 150 right notes you played. Good job, right? Isn't that, but no, we don't want to call that out. We want to call the, the and, and it's just kind of fascinating. We're just wired not to bless, and I would encourage you, parents, grandparents, text your kids, workers, co-workers, spend time thinking of, of blessings to speak. And, and I couldn't help but think, how many times have words spoken over you, like stuck with you? Or words that God, from his word, just like spoke to you at certain times. Do you hold on to those? Can you look back at times in your life? I had a mentor who said to me years ago when God, he said, Doug, God has a call on your life. And I pray when he brings it about, he brings it about in such a way that you never doubt it. And if anybody knows, the way I got ordained in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod doesn't happen anymore. The door opened and it shut, right? It's like, Lord, you, you picked me up like a mother cat picks her kitten up and dropped me here, and I can look and go, you did this. And that was a word of encouragement and a word of prophecy really spoken over me. And one time I was going through a difficult time, and the scripture was right for me. I know Jesus said it to Peter, but he also said it to me, Doug, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Do you have scriptures that just stick with you? And sometimes you feel the weight of being a pastor, and it's, it's somehow my responsibility to make the church, and this word, I will build my church, has been such a rock in my life. Do you have scriptures that, that the Lord has spoken to you, and it's just so good to hold on to them? And someone said to me, this has been so important in my life. Though father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. The Lord, will re though my mom and dad weren't the mom and dad that I needed, but the Lord has received me. What are those scriptures? And are you a giver out of those good words? And now we move into something kind of funny. I'm just saying this as a warning. 
I'm probably going to go somewhere where you guys might think I'm a little crazy, but I've thought a lot about this, and this is what I think. So, when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took them for their wives any they chose. And then the Lord said, My spirit will not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, and his days shall be 120. And the Nephilim, actually literally could be translated the fallen ones, were on the earth in those days. And also afterwards, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, so they bore children to them. So this is one of the passages in the Bible that you would like to skip over, right? Somebody said to me last night, thanks for not skipping over this. So I know there's many different ways to interpret this. I'm going to give you mine. You can not listen to it if you don't want. But I do believe that when God created the earth, he made it beautiful, he made it wonderful, but he also had a heavenly creation. I don't think it's just God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, some fat angels with wings, and some mighty warrior type angels, and there's nothing else. God used all his creativity up on earth, didn't do anything with, with the heavens. I think there are, there's a heavenly host. I think there's, there are powers and authorities, and there's things in heaven, and I believe there were two falls. There's an earthly fall, and there is a heavenly fall. And this is part of the heavenly fall, where these heavenly beings actually procreated now, I know you're thinking I'm strange, and you're like, that could never happen, but you believe it happened because we're going to celebrate it at Christmas. You're like, oh, my goodness, what did he just say, right? <laughs> but it did. One pastor's like, it would never happen because, you know, I, and I think they're different than angels. I think there's other beings up there, these somehow these sons of God. They're not God, but they're called sons of God. And, and then... It says, their years shall be 120. Now, some people go, oh, that's, that we can't age more than 120. But those who look at the dates and figure this stuff out, from the time this was spoken until the flood was 120 years. I think the Lord's like, this is bad, and this is the end of their days, this, this thing. Um, so you have these double fall, and then he says, these are the mighty men of old, the men of renown. Maybe where all our myths come from about Hercules and all that. I'm just throwing it out there. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Wow. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. See that word grieved? It's the same word for pain. Same word when, he, when Adam was cursed or when Eve was cursed for pain in childbirth, or at least it's the root word, same root. And, and this is what amazes me. God creates humanity, and he also, when he increased her pain, he increased his pain. And God somehow is with us in our pain, and when he sees injustice, he's, he sees that. When he sees violence, like he is with us in our pain. Even in the beginning, God was pained by creation. Every thought and inclination of the heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord said, I'm going to blot out whom I created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of heaven, for I'm sorry that I have made them. But 
Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He's a new Adam, right? Or even a type of Christ, a new type picture of Jesus. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. And look at this line. Noah walked with God. What does that mean? Did he hold his hand? Right? What does it mean to walk with God? Adam and Eve, when God walked in the garden, you know, they probably walked with him. And then you got this funny guy named Enoch, and he walked with God, and the Bible says God just took him up into heaven. And now you have another guy who walked with God. What does it mean? You know, I think we can walk with God. You know, when Paul says pray always, what is he talking about? Like get on your knees and pray 100% of the time? Or is he saying, hey, you're not alone. Like you can have a conversation with God at any moment. You can talk to your soul. Soul, why so downcast? You can talk to God. If you do it out loud, people might think you're crazy, but how many sing in their car, right? You know, so like we, can, we can walk with him. The New Testament would say we have his spirit inside of us, so we can actually like commune with the Holy Spirit and so what does it look like? I, I, I was trying to say, what would it look like if somebody walked with God? And, and I think, I like this word, cruciformed. I think your life would be cross-shaped. I don't think it'd be somebody drawing attention. I don't think it may be somebody who's, you know, uh, you know like, look at me kind of thing. I, I think you'd find a humble people. You, you'd find people who, as Philippians said, are thinking of others higher than themselves, or at least trying to right? Who are trying to have the mind of Christ in them, right? So that, so that when people meet you, they actually, well, Jesus is with you, right? And, and he's not with you because you got some self-righteous, I'm better than you kind of thing, but just kind of this, this grace and humility coming through your personality, the one that God gave you, but it's a cross-shape. Life. I think that's what it looks like to walk with God. And Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw that the saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. Can I say that he wanted to make a point here? Look at we got two violence and three corrupts, right? Two violence, three corrupts. The earth was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted their ways on the earth. And God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence uh, through them. Behold, I will... The word is the same word for corrupt. Isn't it interesting? Wouldn't make sense, would it, for us, if they would have said, I will corrupt them. So we're like, I will destroy them, Right? But you've got violence and corruption, and the Lord is giving them what they already want and what they already have. It's like, hey, I'm going to give you the logical outcome of your own behavior. You want corruption? You want violence? This is the, I'm just speeding up the process of your utter destruction, and I'm going to give you what you want. A lot of times people are like, oh, how could God have done that? Well, he gave them what they wanted. He gave them what they had. And I think many times this is how wrath works in our lives. God says, hey, you think there's life there? Go on, right? 
You think there's life in living according to your selfishness or your flesh or your pride or what? Yeah, go ahead. Go live into that, right? We think the wrath of God, and Nate made this point beautifully a while ago, is, is somehow this, this destruction like we see happening with Noah, but I think it's more God giving us over. You want corruption? Go ahead. And you can have more, and you can multiply it over and over. And a lot of our testimonies, a lot of our stories are, I tried it. I climbed that tree that was nothing at the top, right? I, I, I tried this, and my life was a mess, right? And, and I, 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 turn, I returned. God gave me over, and I found there was nothing there, and I returned. That was the wrath of God. And, and even... You know, we live in a world where it's hard to love because if I love something, my hand will get slapped, my heart will get broken, right? Isn't that the way it is? And sometimes we can be given over to fear or closed-heartedness because we don't want to be hurt again. And I think we move ourselves under God's wrath. C.S. Lewis talked about this when he wrote about love. He says, there's no safe investment. To love is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to keep it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. I talked to my brother. He had, you know how family leaves their animals, so he had like two dogs and a bunny. And I'm like, you're going to get another one? He goes, no, watching them die was so painful. He said, do you know bunnies like cry out in this... He said it was a house bunny. It wasn't a yard bunny, and it's crying. And, and he's like, it, it ripped my heart out. And this is what Lewis is saying. Love anything, and, and it'll break your heart, even animals. But if you don't want to be, have a broken heart, just wrap your heart up carefully with your hobbies, with your luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, dark, safe, motionless, airless. It will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all danger and the perturbation, which is perturbed with the Asian on the end, of love is hell. And the, you know, what, is, what are you saying? God's saying, go ahead. And, and if you want to be somebody who doesn't love and who doesn't want to be hurt and I'm never going to try again, what's all our alternative? Yeah, it's wrath. Well, the scripture goes on and he says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Now, here's what's interesting. You, you read the scriptures, you got trees mentioned in Genesis. The tree of life, the tree of death. The second time a tree is mentioned. Trees are really important in the Bible. Trees are, are really important. Sometimes in the New Testament, it'll say Jesus died on a tree. Interesting, isn't it? And, and so here he is. He makes himself an ark of gopher wood, of a tree of gopher wood. And he says, for behold, I'm going to bring the waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, 
your son's wives with you, and every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark and keep them alive with you, and they shall be male and female. You know, we have, as Christians, we have an ark too, don't we? When you and I are baptized into Christ, we are placed in the ark. And when we are in Christ, we are, we are safe. He's the one who, who rescues us from the wrath of God. Why? Because he bore that wrath for us. And it says, in, 600, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great, uh, the deep, burst forth, and the windows of heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So what do you have here? You got this picture where the fountains, so that there actually is a lot of water in the earth. Sometimes you ever read it where they're like looking for water, they're like, there's all this water. So somehow all this water starts coming up from the ground, and then you have water coming down from the sky, right? So you got water above and water below just flooding the whole earth. And why did I put decreation? What happened on day two? And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And let's separate the waters above and the waters below. So on day two of creation, God took the waters, whoop, and here in decreation, pour it out, pour it out. And waters in scripture, you know, Jesus stilled the waters. It's chaos. It was chaos uh, on the earth, and God is giving it order. And what is God saying? You want corruption? I'll just give you corruption. You want chaos? I'll just give you more of what you've wanted. And on the very same day, Noah and his son, Shem, Ham, Japheth, Noah's wife, three, uh, three wives of his sons, with them, they entered the ark. It never says the kids were righteous. Do you notice that? It, they were part of the family. The family got saved. Uh, and they, every beast, according to its kind, all the livestock, according to their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, according to its kind, every bird, according to its kind, every winged creature. And he blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, and only Noah was left, and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed 150 days. But here's something to think about. So the water brought death, didn't it? But the water also is what the ark floated on. And that rescued him. So the same thing that brought judgment is the thing that the ark floated on that brought rescue. And it's same with Jesus. The cross that brings judgment is also the thing that rescues us. And he says, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And the Lord said to Noah, go out from the ark, you with your wife, your sons, and they, your, your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you. And again, recreation now. Be fruitful and multiply. In the next chapter, I didn't have time to get into, Noah plants a garden. You got a garden, you got be fruitful and multiply. You've got this whole recreation image going on. But Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took some of the clean animals and some of every clean bird, and he offered an offering on the altar. So here's, I mean, think about this. How many animals were there? 
Now, I didn't read the section. They actually had more clean animals. The clean ones were the ones they could eat. They had seven of each, right? And then the, the unclean, they just had a pair. And so if you have seven of these clean animals and these clean birds, and you take from seven, that's, that's not a lot, right? If I got seven of something and I give you one, that's precious to me. And these are the ones that they could eat. And so he's taking something very precious, very beautiful, and he's offering it to God. And God says, oh, before I do, what did he use to burn? Did the trees grow up real fast? Were they dead wood? Was there dead wood laying around? Was there, rock? I don't know, soak wood for a year underwater and see how that can burns. You know what I think? I think they burned the ark. I think that the innocent animals were sacrificed on the, on the tree. On the tree that brought salvation. And, and then God says, I like that smell. Because he was not a vegetarian. And um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. And he says, never again will I curse the ground because of man. For the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I strike the ground, uh, strike down every living creature as I have done. So here's the thought. You've got him possibly burning the ark, the thing that rescued them. Now they're sacrificing innocent, precious, costly animals on it. Do you see the picture there? Do you see the tree someday in the future? And I think this whole smell thing, I don't think God was a vegetarian. You know, I think we smell backwards, right? We, um, we go, bread, I remember bread. You walk into a house, grandma's house, it always smelled like this, right? You, you know, like we have memories, we go backwards. I think God smelled forwards. He's like, this reminds me of my son Jesus, who's going to give his life as a ransom. Do you, I mean, do you see that? This beautiful picture of what God has done. And, and when I thought about this costliness of Noah's sacrifice, I thought, I, I thought, wait a minute. He just got rescued. Everybody else dies. If, like, if somebody just saved your life, would you be like, do you need anything? Can I do anything for you? <laughs> right? I really need a hundred bucks. I'll give you a thousand. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you just want to express it. And and I think the closer I get to that feeling, the more it, it helps me to live that cruciform life, the, the, the cross-shaped life. The more I'm like, Lord, you did it for me. Like somebody snubs me, and I think, Lord, I've snubbed you a thousand times. I've disrespected you even more. You keep forgiving me. What is that, right? And even if it's something really painful, something really difficult, I have to say, Lord, by your grace, I can think about how sinful I am, how I deserve to be drowned with the rest of the masses, but you rescued me. And, and it changes you. It changes you from the inside out. The more you get that in your head, every time you take communion, he's like, you, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Why? Because we're so forgetful. And then he says, never again... Uh, do I curse the ground because of man? For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither again will I strike down every living creature as I have done. 
Now, this is a head-scratcher, okay? Anybody remember what I read earlier, why God destroyed everybody? Sure, it was corrupt, it was violent, but what did he say? Look at Genesis 6. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man on earth was great, and that every intention and thought of his heart was only evil continually. So, flood. Now, he says basically the same thing, and he's using it for a reason not to kill everybody. What was that? Why, why, why is God doing, like, Lord, could you be consistent? You know, if he was consistent, he'd just keep having to wipe us out. Because we keep going that way, right? I, and I think this is what the Lord knows. He's like, you know what? They're going to be violent. They're going to be corrupt. And I would have to keep wiping them out, wiping them out, wiping them out. I've got a new plan. And what is the new plan? It's this. I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by waters of the flood. And never again shall there be a flood that destroys the earth. And the Lord said, this is a sign of the covenant I make between you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I've set my bow. If you read rainbow, it's not in the Bible. Just bow. I've set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Now here's a question. Here they were, I'm sure they, they had understanding of bows, right? Like bow and arrow. So if they're thinking bows, like a bow and arrow, which way is the arrow pointed? Yeah. I think the Lord is saying, I'm not going to destroy you, even though every thought, inclination of the heart is wicked from youth, because now I'm going to aim the arrow at my heart. And I'm going to absorb your sin, and I'm going to absorb your pain, and I'm going to smell for it, and I'm going to absorb it on the cross, the death of my son. And so here's something I'm going to end with, which I think is funny. We, we have something like this in our nursery now. And we love Noah's Ark. But let's think about this. <laughs> Utter destruction cataclysmic event, right? It becomes a nursery picture. Isn't it kind of interesting? This, I mean, let's face it. It was a horrible event. Only eight were saved. You're like, kids, look at the animals. I'm going to keep this destruction apart from you. Isn't it funny how like, our, somehow our, our memories change? You know, we, we got cookies out of this. When our kids were young, we reached into the the thing of salvation, and pulled out cookies. And, and the funny thing is, is that something that at one point was destruction or torture, and the Romans would just leave the people hanging on the cross. Now we wear his jewelry or tattoo our feet with it because we say it's beautiful. Isn't it funny how God has a way of of like turning things around. Sometimes, if you live long enough, you're even able to say, you know, that thing that I hated, I look now and see how God used it for beauty and good. I was reading something by Anthony Hopkins, an article, and he said, I'm happy I'm an alcoholic. It's a great gift. Can I say there was probably a time where he didn't say it was a great gift, where he cried out, this, this is horrible. But somehow he got to a point where he's like, you know what? This, this weakness 
has brought me to Christ. This weakness has brought me to community. This week, like, like he somehow sees it as different. And I, and I thought of uh, Tolkien. Uh, some of us went to see a C.S. Lewis movie this week, and he was good friends with J.R. Tolkien. And, and in one of his books, uh, the characters say, Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? And I can't help but think that in heaven, some of this stuff, like the scars of Jesus, will be, we'll see it differently. Because just as Noah's Ark has changed and we put it on the walls of nurseries, somehow the, the things and the scars and the difficulties may, may have lost their power over us and we'll, we'll have a fully different perspective. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you lead us on as your church. I know that I would assume that Adam and Eve would not have made the choice had they watched their kids murder one, murder the other. And, and Lord, you, you can help us um, live that cruciform life. And yet, Father, when we blow it, when we, when we fail, we just climb into your ark, your body, and we hear you say, forgiven, washed, free, holy, rescued, saved, my beloved child, whom I redeemed, bought with a price. And Lord, for that we say thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.